0: I'm Dr. Kirsten Patrick, Deputy Editor for the Canadian Medical Association Journal. Today, we will be listening to a Humanities Encounters article published in CMAJ called Learning to Touch. It is written and read by Dr. Martina Kelly. In this narrative, Dr. Kelly reflects on the role of touch in medicine. Touch is a word that seems inappropriately intimate, but it's also a routine part of clinical practice. Dr. Kelly is a family doctor working in the Department of Family Medicine of the University of Calgary Cummings School of Medicine in Calgary, Alberta.
1: My name is Martina Kelly, and today I'm going to read a small piece about learning to touch. Thank you, Doctor. I haven't been touched in years. I glance up from the computer, already reviewing Emily's blood results, physical exam complete. I smile. Despite Emily's list of illness, physical evidence of disease is minimal. An irregular heartbeat in keeping with her atrial fibrillation and some bony wear and tear of her knee and ankle joints, as expected for someone in her 80s. We move on to discuss lifestyle changes and medication. Emily leaves, and I continue my day, just another routine checkup. But Emily's words niggle. That night they reverberate in my head. What did she mean? The word touch feels inappropriately intimate. Physical examination is part of my day. I automatically listen to hearts and lungs, palpate abdomens, feel for pedal pulses and examine babies, pregnant women, old men. Each time I examine a patient, I touch them, don't I? Yet I rarely think about the experience of touch for myself or for my patient. Examination, as a word, feels so much safer, organised objective, official. I think back to my first experience touching a real patient, not the formaldehyde-preserved leather-stiff body I dissected in the anatomy lab, but a live one in hospital. After two years of practicing manoeuvres, cramming anatomy and physiology, I was thrilled to make it to the wards at last. Nurses bustled, pagers beeped, leftover food staled on patient bed tables. My white coat felt stiff and heavy, stuffed with textbook, stethoscope, patella hammer, pen torch, notebook, everything I thought I would needed to do a good job. Working in pairs, we were instructed to examine a patient and locate the apex beat. With shiny faces and a sense of trepidation, we approached an older woman sitting up in her bed. She agreed to be examined. We drew the curtains round her bed. Now what? I asked her to remove her top. Her skin was so white, so thin, I could see the veins on her chest tracing through her breasts. Gently, I touched her sternum, surprisingly warm. My fingers spanned her ribs. I'd no idea how to touch her breast, let alone move it. I've got to do this. Awkwardly, my right hand reached out and lifted her breast away. Soft, slack skin. My fingers crawled under to find that magic beat. I discovered it, thrusting against my fingertips. Boom, boom. I felt my own heartbeat pounding. My first lesson on touch in medicine. Or maybe not. Perhaps my first lesson came well before I ever entered the door of medical school. Natalie's place was just inside the door of the long ward. Every week, I climbed the steps to the first floor of her nursing home, where I volunteered. My nine-year-old hand trailing over the smooth wood of the banister, pictures of the Virgin Mary and Sacred Heart staring back at me, watching my every move. When I reached her bedside, Natalie always smiled brightly and beckoned me to join her. First, I'd plump up her pillows, then brush her hair, so soft and fine. Her hairbrush had delicate embroidery on the back. I'd never seen anything so pretty. I helped rearrange her nightie and smooth the bedclothes. Then I sat and she held my hand. Quietly, Natalie recounted stories of her life, of growing up in post-World War II Europe, of travelling through different countries, of learning new languages and of falling in love. As a small girl, I longed to be like her, to explore the world and be a real-life heroine. I did not think of all she had lost, nor of how I had come to be the one who held her hand at the end. She was the first person I saw die. After she passed, I remembered how the appearance of her hand changed from the soft, caring place where Natalie and I connected to something I didn't recognise, It's paper-thin skin, it's swollen and slightly deformed joints. Maybe I learned that touch is not something we do only to patients, but is also done to us. Emily returns for her monthly prescription. She looks the same, she sounds the same, but there is something different. Her words have changed me. What did you mean the last time you were here when you said you hadn't been touched in a long time? She doesn't answer. Her brown eyes hold mine and I feel a huge weight on my chest, a tight pain. As I stare back into her eyes, I sense loneliness and suffering. I hug her and the musty smell of old clothes brings me back to myself. We are both touched.
0: That was the CMAJ Humanities article called Learning to Touch. It was read by the author, Dr. Martina Kelly, a family doctor working in the Department of Family Medicine of the University of Calgary Cummings School of Medicine in Calgary, Alberta. You can find the article on our website, cmaj.ca. If you've enjoyed listening to this podcast, we encourage you to subscribe to CMAJ Podcasts on Apple Podcasts or your favorite app. While you're there, you can browse and listen to our many past episodes and you can leave us a rating. I'm Dr. Kirsten Patrick, Deputy Editor for CMAJ. Thank you for listening.